0: No, he's he's still free. He's still free. Well, Lord, thank you for your word. Your word is living and active and more powerful than any two-edged sword. So, Lord, teach us today. And if you love us, may we hear some thunder right now. In Jesus' name, amen. If it's raining really hard and you can't go to your car, I get to preach for two hours. That's really awesome. Turn in your Bibles to Esther, Esther chapter 4, we're in 40 days of prayer, as Neil has said, and we're teaching on the weapon of fasting and prayer. Say it please, the weapon of fasting and prayer. <clears throat> now starting at chapter 4, verse 12, the hardest thing today is finding Daniel, have you found it? Found it, Yeah. I'm sorry, Daniel. How about, let's do Esther. Either one, either one will work. Do Esther. Okay, excuse me. Esther chapter four, verse 12. They related Esther's words to Mordecai. Mordecai told them to reply to Esther. Don't imagine that you and the king's palace can escape any more than any of the rest of us Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arrive for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish, and who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. Verse 15, now this is all through messengers, because Mordecai can't come to the palace. Esther told them to reply to Mordecai. Go assemble all the Jews who are found in this capital city of Susa. I want you to fast for me. What what is she asking the Jews to do? Fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And my maidens will fast in the same way. And thus I will go into the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I, what? Perish. So Mordecai went away and did just as Esther had commanded him. Now, let's define things. I don't want to ever talk about things without defining them. What is fasting? It's not doing away with TV. It's not Stopping reading the newspaper. Fasting is going without food. It's going without what? Food for a period of time. Why? It's not a weight loss plan. I'm seeking the face of God during this time. I have designated for fasting. Now, let's talk about what's going on in the the text. If you were the prince of darkness, and I'm not suggesting that. But if you were the prince of darkness and you could thwart or attempt to thwart God's plan to bless the nations of the earth. And by the way, Satan is a real being. He is deadly and his desire is to hurt you because you're made in God's image. So would you... If you were the prince of darkness, do some of these things. Like what things? Would you discredit the Bible? What do you think? Would he want to do that? Yes or no? Oh, yeah. Has he done a pretty good job in our country? You take a Bible to work and you're a freak. You take a Bible to school and you're seen as weird. Would you take over the schools, the universities? Would you take over government? Would you take the high ground of media, entertainment? Oh yeah. We have no idea what our kids are getting bombarded with in school. How about this? Would you diminish the role of the Holy Spirit? I had a pastor friend of mine who I loved, who ministered 50 or 60 years, and he told me one day he had never preached or taught one time on the Holy Spirit. I was going, oh my. How about this? Would you attempt to destroy marriages in a country? Would that be yes or no? Would he do that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And he's doing a pretty good job right now. For what your children hear on television and commercials in the schools, it's pretty horrible. Now, here's the principle. If you destroy marriage, you destroy people. If you destroy the biblical view of marriage, you destroy an entire society, and we have Elected government leaders in our state and nation, this is one of their goals. And much of the church is bought into it also. How about this? Would you divide people? Would you divide people? Wherever you see division, it's a demonic attack. Whether it's nation fighting against nation, or whether it's government divided, and our government has never been more divided than ever before, or families divided, or Christians divided in the city. The body of Christ in America is so isolated, doing their own thing, they are not working together because the enemy does not want them to. We had a 24 hour prayer vigil Friday and Saturday, and some of the brothers prayed with me. One of them just made this comment Our country is absolutely torn to pieces, and I believe that. Because the enemy's done a good job with division. How about this? If you were the Prince of Peace, if you were Satan himself, Would you work to slaughter a whole generation of innocent Americans? How many are we talking about? We're talking about 60 million Americans. Why? Because you wipe out a whole generation of intercessors. You wipe out a whole generation of missionaries, of pastors, of youth pastors, of entrepreneurs, of godly school teachers, of wonderful housewives that will raise children to love Jesus, but they never got a chance because their lives were snuffed out. You know what's weird about our country to show you how weird our country is? People think killing children in the womb is a good thing. I will never ever support a politician who thinks killing children is a good thing. I'm not gonna do it. If the church would just stand, we'd get those clowns out of office, if godly people were run. How about this? Would the prince of darkness want to lull the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ is sleep. So they don't share the gospel. So they don't teach the Bible. So they don't love people. So they don't work to reach all the unreached people groups in the world. Would that be true? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Would the prince of darkness tell Christians that prayer doesn't work. He's told me that a thousand times. Steve, what you're doing is a waste of time. People don't wanna pray. God's not hearing their prayers. It makes no difference. I pray anyway. But he still wants this church, he wants this city to not be a city of prayer. And we have to resist that. How about this? Ready? you ready? Would the prince of darkness want to kill every Jew on the planet? Would that be yes or no? Oh yes. This church loves the nation of Israel. We stand with Israel and the Jews because we know a few things. Even though Pharaoh told the midwives in Egypt, every baby boy throw them into the Nile, and let the crocodiles eat them. Rip them out of their mother's arms. This man came to power in Europe, inspired by Satan himself, who said, we must rid Europe of the pestilence of the Jew. And he did a pretty effective job killing six million of them. By the way, the next world leader, his target will be Jews and Christians. And we have the most dangerous nation in the world, the nation of Iran, because they sponsor terrorism like no other nation. Now, here's what Jesus is doing in Iran it is the fastest growing church in the world. Because young Iranians are going, we don't believe this garbage the mullahs are telling us. And Jesus is appearing to them, angels are coming to them. I saw a site where they were smuggled out of Iran into Armenia and being trained to share the gospel. But you see, Russia is sponsoring their nuclear program China is helping them with a nuclear program and the heads of Iran are saying, we are going to wipe out every Jew and the land of Israel as soon as we get nuclear weapons. If our country helps arm Iran, to wipe out Israel, we are in trouble. We're already in trouble. Now, let's talk about fasting. Fasting is a tool. Most of the church have never heard a single message, a single teaching on this wonderful tool, this great asset, this wonderful gift. Everyone say, gift? This gift that Jesus has given the church called fasting and prayer because it is a weapon against the lies and the culture that the enemy has spoken to all of us. Now let me give you the background behind the crisis in Persia, a historical event. This is a reconstruction of what this king looked like. We need to learn to say his name altogether. I can't even try to say the Persian name. But it's Aha. Everyone say, Aha. like a surprise. Aha, Su, my wife's name. Aha, Su, us. Say it Aha, Su, us. That's his name. That's the Hebrew name. The Greek name is what? Xerxes. Everyone says Xerxes. And the scripture and history always line up. History has never disproved scripture. History always reinforces scripture. Now, Xerxes came to power because of his father, Darius the Great, chose his favorite son. This is a, re, uh, re, uh, a portrait of what Darius Darius looked like. His father, now Xerxes' grandfather on his mother's side was the great Persian king Cyrus, who is mentioned in your Bible. And some of you don't even know that. He was the grandfather of Xerxes. And the account that you read in the book of Esther happens over 10 years. So you read 10 chapters. It's about a year per chapter. Xerxes was assassinated in his own bed as he slept 10, sorry, eight years after the book of Esther closed. This is his tomb in Iran. Iran has the second most biblical site of any other country other than Israel. Now the story unfolds in chapter one that the beautiful Persian queen Vashti, everyone say Vashti, she got in a tiff in the church lobby on a Sunday morning. And he said, I need you to come to the royal throne room and show off your glamor. And what a wonderful, good looking woman you are. And she said, I'm not coming to your drunken brawl just so your buddies can oogle at me, forget it. So they had this back and forth and he got humiliated and he said, out, out. And so he removed her from uh, her position about 30 days later or maybe 3 days later he went you know what that was kind of dumb i really liked her what am i going to do i did all this publicly and so she can't come back and so all his buddies his advisors says well let's have a contest let's say everyone say contest let's have a contest and let's get the most beautiful woman in all of the empire let's let you select her it'll be Prince of Persia, bachelor, whatever TV show. Now, uh, amazingly, out of nowhere, a candidate from nowhere, a Jewish young lady was selected as the most beautiful, the most wonderful, the most appealing woman in all the empire, and her name is Esther. Esther. So she was selected to be the new queen of Persia and it was clearly the hand of God. Now here's something unusual about the book of Daniel. I'm sorry, I keep thinking Daniel. (laughs) Esther, God's name is not in the text anywhere. The Lord, God, savior, creator, it's not there. But you see his fingerprints Everywhere, every episode, every page, you see him. And I wanna encourage you, prayer and fasting will help you see his fingerprints. When things are not going well, like this war in Ukraine, he's still there. When things are really discouraging in your own life, don't focus on what is discouraging Look for where God is working. Look for his fingerprints. Now, her adopted dad was not her uncle. It was actually cousin who? Say with me, cousin Mordecai. He adopted her. And, you know, I've thought about this. Uh, If my wife had been around during this beauty contest, I'm sure... She would have been selected, but the time I would end up walking with her and taking her to the palace, and a bunch of burly guards said, "Now, now, who are you?" I would probably say, uh, "I'm her cousin." <laughs> so Mordecai, her adopted dad, over here is the conversation of an assassination attempt by his two most trusted bodyguards. He intervenes. He gets word to Esther. Esther gets word to the correct people. And these men are tortured and hung. To show you how apropos the Bible is, this past week, Vladimir Putin sent an assassination team of like Russian Navy SEALs are actually Chechens, which are Muslims. He practically tried to wipe them all out. Now he's got them on his side. And so when they landed in their helicopters at night, the Ukrainians were waiting for them and basically wiped them all out before they even got out of the helicopters. But we learned this week, the Russians have tried three times to kill Zelensky, the president. So Mordecai, as the story rolls along, angers a powerful man. He's a prime minister. He is Haman, or as we like to say, Haman. I think he's from Jamaica. <laughs> he was an import. And Mordecai said, thousand people in the street, big parade. I'm sorry, I'm not doing that. I'm not bound down to you. And somebody took a record of this guy. Somebody got his name. Somebody found out he was Jewish. And all of a sudden, everything ramps up. Now, Haman is an Amalekite. Say Amalekite. Or in your text, he's called an Agagite. Okay? Who are these people? They are the sworn enemies of Israel for over 500 years. When Israel came into the promised land, they tried to go through their territory peacefully. The Amalekites said, we'll meet you with armed force. You're not coming through. And Israel went on a long detour, but the Amalekites sent teams of people to kidnap women and children and do horrible things. And the Lord said to Moses, here's what you have to do in Exodus chapter 17. You have to take care of these guys. And so the battle ensued. Moses is on top of a huge hill, mountain, and the Lord says, lift your hand and lift the rod of authority up, and as long as you have your hands up, I will give you victory. His hands got tired. Two other men came alongside to help him until the battle was finished. But Israel did not take care of these people that God told them to take care of because God knew 500 years later they would want to kill every Jew on the planet, which would keep the scriptures out of your hands, which would keep heaven closed to you. The Messiah would not come, the church would not be born. It was a strategic strike. So to get revenge on the Jews, Haman said, uh, I'm going to concoct this plan, wipe them out, I'm going to steal all of their assets. When you figure out the promises he made to the king, it was like it would be 70% of the empire's budget for a year. 70 percent So Haman's going to kill every Jew in the empire. That is a simple drawing of what the Persian empire looked like. It was huge. It went all the way from India to Ethiopia. 127 provinces. How many? That's a big, that's a big empire. And we're going to do it on one day. We're going to do it on one day. One day, we're going to take care of all of them. He was handed the document. He took his, the seal, the ring on his hand off. He put it in the clay, which meant it could not be revoked. And the war of mass murder was put in motion. And I'm sure Xerxes had no idea what he signed. Leaders all the time sign stuff, they don't know what they signed. Matter of fact, you might have house insurance and there's all this fine print of 12 pages and you always throw it away. But on the very bottom, it says something like, and if your house burns down, we'll pray for you and you can keep all the rubble. But we never read all that stuff so we don't really know what it says. And I wanna say Xerxes is not a sissy. You read Daniel, or you read Daniel. You read Esther. Read Esther and Daniel. And you get the idea that he's a passive guy. He is not a passive guy. He's a lion. He is a bear. This is Esther's honey. Turtle dove. Beloved cupcake. And he's going to take 500,000 shock Persian troops across the isthmus and invade Greece because he hates the Greeks. And he's gonna cross this isthmus called the Hell's Point. It's 14 football fields wide. And he gets his engineers to to come up with a way they can go across. And so they use 330 ships, lash them together Put cedar planks down, lash those together, and we can get our troops across and invade and wipe out Greece and make them our slaves. Well, a storm came and destroyed the bridge and it ticked off Little Mr. Passive. So, Little Mr. Passive did this he got his best soldiers, told them to, he gave them whips, told them to go out in the ocean and spank the ocean. True story, they gave the ocean, each one 300 lashes and he told them to swear violently at the water. You filthy brook, you, you poisonous pond. I wouldn't drink you if there was chocolate in you. Bah. And then after they, you know what? My staff may think I'm demanding, but I have never Spanked Lake Cumberland yet? I'm not. Don't even plan to do it. And then he executed all of his engineers. A week later, they got the bridge built. No retirement for the engineers. The Battle of Thermopylae ensued. He started a huge war. When you take troops in another country, it's very expensive. Remember the story of the 300 Spartans? They had about 10,000 other Greeks. They lost, but it was very costly to Xerxes. And then on top of that, three months later, there was a huge sea battle at this point called Salamis, and Xerxes, in his arrogance, set his throne on a high hill, hill to watch the destruction of the Greek fleet. But they won. And then a couple of months later, the final battle of Plataea, the Athenians absolutely crushed the Persian troops on the coast. And he just said, I think I'm going home. And he did. Before he left, in spite, he burned the city of Athens to the ground. That doesn't endear you to Greeks when you do that. Wars are very expensive. 150 years later, Alexander conquered all of the Persian Empire and he still hated the memory of Xerxes so much. His four palaces, he destroyed them to the ground. And this is the ruins of the greatest palace at Persepolis. Why are you telling me all this, Steve? Well, a couple reasons. I'm sure Haman did not divulge the names of the people they were going to kill. Maybe in the cafeteria one day. Xerxes said to Haman, his right hand man, tell me again, who are these people we're going to mass murder? And Haman said, oh, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. Uh, They're insignificant. We're not getting, don't get your little pure hands involved. Uh, They're just troublemakers. We don't want troublemakers. Let's get troublemakers out of here. And besides, you wouldn't know a single one of them personally. How about the lady? It was, Married to. They didn't know that. So Mordecai got word to Esther in the palace about the plot. He told her, because you have the position nobody else has, you're the only one. You're the only one that can save your people. You're it. And there's a good chance you're the only one that can make a difference for people around you. You're it. There's nobody else. You're it. If you don't act, People are gonna suffer. And she said to him, well, you know the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be broken. It's about protecting from assassination that no one can come inside the chamber of the king unless he's been called. And I haven't been called for 30 days. I haven't seen his face. If I go in, if he doesn't extend his royal scepter, The guards by law have to kill me because they will be slaughtered if they don't kill me. And stepdad said this, well, honey, uh, if you don't approach the king, here's what's gonna happen. About a million or 2 million Jews are gonna die in the empire. And do not feel like you're gonna escape because you're not because you are Jewish. And the law says you must be killed and you will be killed. So here's what she said. You call all the Jews in the capital of the Winter Palace. This is Susa. This is some of the ruins of the Winter Palace where all this happened in Iran. And you ask them, command them, beg them, plead with them to fast and pray for how many days? Fast and pray for three days because the only one that can rescue us is God. Now, let me share some reasons of why we should learn to fast with prayer. Pay attention, please. Fasting and prayer is the very first thing any of us should do when we're in a crisis. It's not the third thing. It's not the fifth thing. It's not the 10th thing. When you cannot figure it out, you do not know what to do. Fasting and prayer is the go-to. And maybe you're in a crisis right now. Just to be honest, how many of you are in a crisis? It may be family, work, money, health. Hold your hand up. Are you in a crisis? I could use help myself. If you're in a crisis right now, And I would suggest you have no other place to turn. A doctor can't help you. A lawyer can't help you. The judge is not going to help you. You can't fix your marriage. You can't get this stuff out of your heart. Who else are you going to turn to? There's no other place. So what is fasting? Fasting is a heartfelt appeal to the creator of the universe who has all power to rescue me in the midst of this crisis. Number two. This is very important. Fasting makes us sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And only when he speaks are we going to get the solution to our problems. And the lifestyle of fasting is the best way to go. Just trying it once is not going to do you much good. Doing it twice might help a little bit, not much. Here's this woman, Anna, that had, been a, had a lifestyle of fasting. She was in the temple. And the Holy Spirit said to her, that couple right there, the couple bringing their baby to dedication, that is the Messiah the nation has looked for for 3,000 years. That baby. That baby right there. You got to do it enough that you get comfortable with it. and It's not fun at times. You have to develop some fasting muscles. It's like reading the Bible. If you don't do it enough to get, you enjoy it, you'll quit. Prayer is the same way. Sharing the gospel is the same way. Fasting is the same way. Point number three. Fasting requires faith. Because since it's not fun, you're not going to do it. Unless you believe, there's a benefit. And that comes with faith. And faith is what draws the presence of God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, the scripture says. And I've said it, but i say it again. There's times fasting has not been fun for me. Who wants to miss a meal? My wife makes hot brownies, and I'm on a fast. Oh, great, honey. Thank you. I'm going to banish you. Being with other friends and they're eating and I don't eat. Being tired, having a lot of work to do. If you're stressed, it's not fun to fast when you're under stress. It can I've been on longer fast that there was not one day that was fun. It was all miserable. And I did it anyway. And there's been times I bailed, times I was chicken, but let me say this: there are other times it is so glorious, it is so wonderful. God has shown up so powerful that I thought, man, Lord, I don't even know if I ever want to eat because I've got this intimacy with you I haven't had all year. Thank you for showing up. I needed it. Fasting with solitude. Everyone say solitude. More time, say solitude. What is solitude? When you read the Bible, you have a special chair in a place nobody is and that's where you read You have a special place you go to pray. When I go on prayer drives, it's about solitude. When I go on a retreat, every time I go on a 24, 48-hour retreat, the Lord speaks so clearly and so powerfully. It's because I don't have a phone. It won't work. And I'm not with other people. It's just me and him. It's solitude. Solitude will change your life. Because fasting, you push the pause button. Everyone say pause button you know what a pause button is? It means you stop something. Fasting makes everything slow down. It's like the matrix. Is that pretty good? I mean, everything gets slower. It's crazy. I mean, I say to my wife, gosh, I'm so miserable. I can't wait till I eat again. And Well, you know, when is the Lord going to answer me? She says, well, honey, you've only been, it's only been 30 minutes. (laughs) Maybe instead of fasting, we ought to call it slowing. (laughs) But here's the problem. We're just too busy, aren't we? We're too busy to listen. You have too many things on your agenda. You're doing so many things. You don't have time to listen. We just move from one thing to another. And fasting causes you to pause. And here's something else fasting and solitude will do. You get clarity. Stuff gets really clear that you couldn't see otherwise. And your passion for Jesus comes back. In Acts chapter 13 a prayer meeting of about six or eight people in what is today Syria. They were told to fast and pray and worship. And amidst of fasting and praying and worship, the Holy Spirit did an unusual thing. He said clearly, set apart these two young guys, these two guys, Saul and Barnabas, to start the great mission movement. Another little coaching tip. Suggestion Never make an important decision. Never make an important decision. Never make an important decision without fasting and prayer. Like what? I mean, like you're moving to another city. Don't ever take a job for money, it's the wrong motivation. Don't ever move because it looks smart. Move because the Holy Spirit told you. Don't ever buy a new house without slowing down and asking the Lord, man, it's a great deal. I like the neighborhood, but you don't know who's going to move in the house right beside your kids a year from now. He knows. You don't know. How about this? Starting a new business. Don't start a business unless the Holy Spirit tells you. How about this? Direction. I need direction, Lord. Tell me what to do fast and pray before you move getting married my goodness you better fast and pray fast and pray going to grad school don't waste your time going to school unless the Holy Spirit tells you this is what I want you to do you say do I have to fast and pray of course not you don't have to But why wouldn't you want the Holy Spirit's perspective on your future? Why would you not want that? I think it's pretty smart. Five, fasting brings breakthrough. What do you mean breakthrough? A dilemma got solved. You were stuck. You didn't know how to respond to your husband and the Holy Spirit gave you a simple Phrase that unleashed everything. You don't know how to relate that prodigal daughter. The Holy Spirit told you what to do. Now, since I've done everything wrong, a little more coaching. <clears throat> you cannot determine when the breakthrough will happen. It's out of your hands. And yet all of us say, by Friday, Lord, I got to have it by Friday. What if it's two years from now? Will you wait? Or how the breakthrough will come? Don't tell God how to do his business. He doesn't need your counsel. He's pretty good, okay? Or who? We'll help you with the miracle. I've told the Lord who I wanted to help me and he never took my advice. So when you get the answer for the breakthrough, just understand it's none of your business. None of your business. Well, what's my business, Steve? Your business is fasting and praying. That's the only thing you can control. You do the time. He will show up, but let him show up when he's ready. Breakthrough is God's business. Six, fasting pleases God. It really pleases God. Even if you feel like you failed, even if it was hard, God is pleased with the slightest attempt because when a person fasts, God knows they're finally ready to surrender, ready to obey. That he has your full attention, not your divided attention. In Kings, it talks about the second most wicked people person in the entire Old Testament, a guy named Ahab. And he said to Elijah the prophet, you go prophesy out of this man, this is what's going to happen to you happen to your wife this is going to happen to everything you touch and it's coming really soon and then God said to Elijah go back there and look over that wall look what this wicked man is doing in his garden he is repenting he is humbling himself Going without food for a period of time shows God that you're serious. Seven. Fasting produces spiritual power. Here's George Whitfield. Maybe the greatest preacher that ever breathed the air in this continent. Englishman who preached the gospel from Massachusetts to Georgia. Man, he was such a powerful preacher. Ben Franklin, who was not converted, would go just to listen. Preached up to 50,000, 60,000 people. He climbed a tree, Benjamin Franklin did, to do a scientific experiment to see. How far, how many people could listen to this man's voice? It was up to like a mile. He was a man of fasting and prayer. He would have these portable pulpits that would go out. They'd have like three steps. He would, be, he would go to preach in a field and be so weak from fasting. He would have to have a man on either side of him help him go up the steps and when he opened his mouth, the power of God would fall. And this is what happened. America was changed because of Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield. Do you know how long the awakening lasted? 30 years. We need an awakening. We need an awakening. And my hero, John Wesley, this little five-foot-three English preacher, who never came, well, he came to America once. He wasn't even saved. But he was a man of fasting and prayer. And he said any Methodist preacher in Great Britain or America will not serve under our movement unless they fast two days a week. Skip breakfast and skip lunch, eat at three o'clock. And he said, if you're not serious about the the gospel, please don't waste my time. Jesus himself baptized the spirit of God, filled him. And then he went through 40 days of fasting. And the scripture says, after he left the wilderness and went to the Galilee, he returned in the power of of the Spirit. You got addictions? Your flesh bossing you around? Paul said, I buffet my body. He didn't say, I buffet my body. (laughs) I buffet my body and make it my servant. My body does not tell me what to do. I tell my body what to do, what is right and what's wrong. Lest I preach to others, I find myself disqualified. So like, what are you talking about? Are you angry all the time? Are you struggling with alcohol? You have to have it to go to sleep. You have to have it to cope. You got a porn addiction. You got a critical tongue? Fasting can help you. Eight, and the last one. Worship team, would you guys come out? Very important. Are you ready? Fasting is about timing. What do you mean, Steve? If the Holy Spirit is calling you for a season of fasting and prayer because there's stuff critical going on. Let me tell you something crazy. Can I tell you something crazy? You ready? There's been some research from the time the Persian king Xerxes dipped his ring in the clay. They have determined the date. The date of that was April 7th 474 BC. That's when the death order was written and they started dispatching it across all those provinces. The mass murder date, are you ready? March 7th 14 uh, 473 BC exactly. 11 months you say that's a long time no it's not what if something tragic was going to happen in our country in 11 months or your family in 11 months timing is very very important because if you ignore what the Holy Spirit is saying to you if you ignore what the Holy Spirit is saying to you For that lost daughter. For God to save your marriage. For you enter into that new realm of ministry Jesus is calling you to. You can't do it on your own. You can't just show up. There is a window for everything. And if you miss a window, you miss the window. Well, what's the outcome, Steve? Well, here's the outcome. You read it for yourself. Read the six chapters to see how God did a wonderful thing. Now, I just put a picture on the screen. What's the picture on the screen? Somebody tell me. Remember, third grade level, what's the picture on the screen? Hello, what is it? It's a door hinge. Why a door hinge? Because what we studied, chapter 4, 15 and 16 is the hinge to the whole thing. Without the three days of fasting and prayer, everybody dies. Fasting and prayer in church history changes outcomes, and it will change your family. Forever. So here's what we're doing as a church family. And we're not going to do it perfectly. Don't ever try to do it perfectly. It's a trap. For seven weeks. Just seven weeks. Just seven weeks. Let's attempt to fast together on Fridays. Friday fast. Just Fridays. Just Fridays. Why? Because we want God's presence. We want him to show up. It is a call. Everyone's a call. It's a call. You don't have to, but I hope you will answer the call. And you can fast any way you feel led to. The Holy Spirit will tell you what to do, not me. You can switch days. You can do it on Thursday. You can do it on Wednesday. You can do it on Sunday. You can start on Thursday night, end up at noon on Friday. You can just do it a lot of different ways. You can just do one meal. I suggest start small. Just skip lunch Fridays, spend that time in the Word and prayer. You can do two meals, you can do three meals. You can fast for 24 hours, you can go longer. We've had people in this church do three days, seven days, 10 days, 14 days, 21 days, 40 days. Don't do those long ones until you're ready to do it. But the goal is get on a pace. Get on a pace. That works for you. Use the time you normally would eat for extra time in scriptures and extra time in prayer. And I suggest keep a journal. It's amazing. Some of our Bible studies, journaling, what the Holy Spirit says is life-changing. Find a prayer partner. Somebody that will pray by phone or in person with you once a week and see if you can't fast together. And last, are you ready? Last thing. Seven weeks, watch God work. Watch for his fingerprints. Everything may be falling apart. He's there. He's going to work. Now we're going to pray in just a minute. Today we celebrate the Lord's table. If you're a guest in the church, you're welcome to join us. If you're not walking with Jesus right now, you should probably wait and get your heart right. Come to the altar, get right with the Lord. But if you'll peel off the smaller top and put the bread in your hand, Lord Jesus, We thank you for your death, your resurrection, your broken body, so we would find healing, deliverance, and freedom. We honor you and give ourselves to you again as a living sacrifice. Take and eat. Likewise, take the container over, peel the top back. Dear Lord, the greatest, most valuable treasure in the world is the blood of Christ, shed for forgiveness of sins. Thank you that it's through your blood that we become your children and we find complete forgiveness. We drink today in honor and gratitude for what you've done. The most important time in the service is these last moments. as you get a chance to respond? If you've never given your heart to Jesus, there'll be people here to help you do that. I would suggest you come to the altar for anything that's on your heart. Do business with the Lord. If you need to come back, come back. If you need to repent, don't hide, don't run, repent and get back on your feet. But some of you may ask that the Lord would give you a grace to learn to fast and pray. If you ask him, he will give it. And your family will change for a generation. Lord, we thank you for our time together. As we worship, may we respond to you. In Jesus' name, the altar is open.
1: I sensed his presence, and I knew this was. sense there is joy beyond measure
0: Jesus, we just thank you that every day of our life your fingerprints have been all around us. Forgive us, but we haven't noticed. We say, Lord, we pause from now on to notice. Mobilize your people during this time that our nation and the nations of the earth and our city need you. In Jesus' name. If you need prayer, there's people here. Pick up your children. God bless you. Have a great day.
1: Thank you for joining us at Church of the Savior online today. We hope you are encouraged to pursue God and grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made the decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you.